And so we return back to this nearly, let's see, we're, we're at about five and a half hours deep, I guess, huh? <laughs> or is it, maybe it's four and a half, no, it's four and a half hours. I, you know what, I'm not doing math anymore tonight, forget it. Anyway, we're back live on the Ocelli Effect, the 2000th episode, and here, here again is someone who I've not actually had a conversation with on my show or his show. He's a broadcaster. He's also an author. And you guys who listen to the network and actually pay attention to the online radio stream uh, will be familiar with William Ramsey just from that. But you might have been familiar with him before that. Uh, quite frankly, I became aware of him because he was working with Ed Opperman. And then I, I, I heard he had his own show. And Ed was running his show on my Saturdays. And that was nice, but we got one play of the William Ramsey show, which was always interesting. Uh, it was stuff that I wouldn't necessarily do. Um, it was stuff that I was interested in, though. And it was always about the evil on the planet, it seemed like to me one way or another uh i found it fascinating and then uh i got the opportunity to start just adding him to the rotation so now i play him several times a week on the stream uh and they are the shows that mr ramsey sends to me uh but he's going to tell you about a brand new book that i've only really skimmed to look at and i gotta tell you i'm fascinated by it i want to give him time to explain what's in it tell you how to get it but I'm really, really happy for the first time ever to talk to a guy who, I again, I've been broadcasting him for a while. We haven't been guests of each other yet. <laughs> who knows? Uh, but then again, there are other people that tell me, you know, you, you guys might not see eye to eye on certain things. And I got to tell you, from the stuff I've listened to, I actually do see eye to eye on a lot of what William Ramsey has to say. Uh, I'm not necessarily exactly like him, but look, we're not part of a cult. We are not part of a cult. So therefore, we don't have to think alike all the time, do we? William Ramsey, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Chuck. Thanks for having me. Congratulations on the 2000th show. Yes, I, look, I appreciate that. I mean, but I, I'm. It's uh, it, it it's been fun. I don't even want to talk about that. I want to talk to you, my friend. Because you have put out some of the most fascinating podcasts. Uh, I, I, I have to admit that I read your book a while ago. Um, the, the old book. Not Which this one? one. You got a new one. Right. This is my fifth book. Oh, wow. I wasn't. See, th this is why I'm not aware. Of, I'm not aware of everything, guys. What can I say? I was aware of the one book, and it seems to go in line with this one. Um, I think they're all themes about uh, in, investigating the occult, yes. Okay. See, and, and that's why you got my attention. Because anybody who's going to look at this and not uh, not not be... Look, I anybody who's going to go after it as something that needs to be dealt with in a realistic way, okay, and needs to be exposed, I'm all for you. And it doesn't mean that I agree with every single thing. Like, I'll give you a for instance. Okay. You did an episode on the Son of Sam recently where you talked about the work of, of uh, you know, Maury Terry, right? Correct. Correct. And it was a great episode. I can't even remember who was on there with you. Uh, might have been Manny Grossman. It was. And, okay, fine. But, you know, Maury Terry's stuff, a lot of the things that he revealed, 
I know for a fact are real. Because, you know, I lived in the tri-state area, and some of that stuff permeated long after the 1970s. Um, And some of that stuff is real. Now, do I agree that he connected everything exactly properly? I'm not sure. It's it's a bit of a judgment call, and it's very hard to know. Because nobody knew more about what he was doing than him, um, in my opinion. So I listened to that episode, and I find it fascinating. I don't necessarily know that Berkowitz wasn't anything more than what, you know, the detective said he was. I'm undecided about it, to be honest with you. There are grand possibilities involved there. But then again, why the forty four caliber? Why the... A lot of, lot of questions there. But what's interesting to me is that on your show, even though there's a bit of an intensity and a pushback to, obviously, you don't want to endorse evil or glorify it. Um, You also are not just looking to burn everybody at the stake who's a witch. You know what I mean? And I I don't know how else to put it, but I just, I like your style. I like the way you go after this stuff, the true crime stuff, and I'm fascinated uh, with, I've got a bit of knowledge about the occult as well, and uh, unfortunately, there would be a lot of things we could discuss there. But I want to hear about this new book because the the cover art <laughs> first of all appeals to me cuz i can see many different ideas that could emerge from that it's certainly provocative the title's provocative i glanced through it a little bit and uh, really what i'd like is for you to explain to me and everybody what is in it now obviously there's a whole history of books as you said five i wasn't aware of that i'm sorry okay. uh but i'm going to now go look by the way and take a look back at what I missed, and maybe everybody else will too. Uh, and you can tell them where to go to do that as you talk talk to me about this book, which I'm sure, by the way, we're going to hear about more uh, on your podcast as well. So, true. Go ahead. Yeah. So this book is titled "Global Death Cult: The Order of Nine Angles, Adam Waffen, and the Slaughter of the Innocents," and it really started last year in August of 2020 when I talked to a guest by the name of Igor Sarsky, who introduced me to this group. So I did a pretty deep dive and kind of came up with this book. And the the reason why it's titled Global Death Cult is that they are in contact across transnationally between the U.S., U.K., and other places around the world. And one of their central ideologies is, is they term it culling. So their attitude towards the human species is that... Uh, some people deserve to be killed, basically, is what it is. So that's why I got the title, Global Death Cult. And it is kind of pretty much a cult. They uh, have their own initiation rituals, their own literature. And uh, it's really kind of a new, this Order of Nine Angles is really a new post, kind of cruelly, uh, really a cult or religion that started only in the 80s. So it's fairly recent. But uh, there have been some arrests and murders associated with the cult, and that's really what people piqued my interest there was a guy in toronto canada his name was william von nudigem who stabbed somebody and he was out on some kind of night prowl or something like that and killed some innocent person so those those deaths there's a lot of deaths associated with possibly associated with them and definitely there's five deaths associated with adam often which is a group a, a far right american group that uh, has members who are influenced by the order of nine angles ideology Right. Now, that there's a lot to unpack in there because, uh, you know, the, the, the concept of the nine, there's a few groups that use the number nine. 
there's a great deal hidden in the symbology of the nine angles, all that. Um, and one could say that regardless of the orientation of religion, there are individuals that turn religion into cult and cult into religion. Um, you know, and, and the concept of the death cult itself, um, I see it as there are a multitude of death cults uh, on the planet. Yeah, I would agree. You know, so there's not like, and, and really, quite frankly, I don't see how there's one master death cult. Well, but, I would agree with that. I would say that this particular group is one, but if you want to take an overarching view at some of these other groups that, I mean, you can go to um, the Georgia Guidestones, and they want to kill or cull a significant amount of the population. So mm-hmm. uh, those agendas are, are, I think, happening, but they're not covered in the context of this book, though. But you're right. Okay. No, fair enough. That's why I'm asking. But, you see, the thing is that th- there are certain ideologies that seem to survive and sometimes, I think, are, are relabeled and relabeled again. And mm-hmm. this idea about uh, the, the judgment of who deserves to live and who deserves to die, uh, being placed in the hands of man, it's a touchy thing. Because, right. quite frankly, there there are lots of justifications that I've seen for all sorts of hierarchies that where people judge individuals and say, well, this person is worth this much, this person is not. And quite frankly, again, the reason why I said cult to religion and religion to cult that transition is easily and quickly uh, turned into a circular relationship is because, you know, there, there are cults not just, you know, the crazy, okay, we believe this one guy is the messenger of God and he's actually the Christ and he's not, you know, a la the Jim right. Jones kind of thing. But, I mean, literally there are cults that are built around political ideologies and there are cults that are built around themselves and then adapted into an ideology, for instance... Not too far, because I'm in Georgia. And everybody talks about the Georgia Guidestones. But not too far from where I'm sitting, there is literally a a Pentecostal style, not Pentecostal, but a Pentecostal style cult that started, which was in support of the Ku Klux Klan. Now, I, I know that sounds crazy to somebody who's never done the research, but I assure you it exists. And there's a lot to this. I mean, how do you unpack something? I know I know you probably haven't gone into this one too much. But how do you unpack something like explaining the, you know, the the, the nine angles and then going into this and understanding how it co-ops uh, a whole bunch of well, recognizable iconography and then becomes relatable and grows. I mean, how do you explain that? Because I, I, as you can see, I'm having trouble explaining it right here. Well, I would say that it started with individuals who wrote a lot of literature, and then what supercharged their ideology was the advent of the Internet. And that allowed, at least in this group and the groups I talk about in the book, allowed them to reach a much broader audience. I don't think they're very popular. Hmm. Uh, according to one estimate, they only have like 1,000 or 2,000 members. But typically those people are very hardcore and their attitude is very hardcore, and there's initiatory steps they have to do. So I think that this group in particular, that's really how their ideology got passed around, all really all over the world with the advent of the Internet. But mm-hmm. they have these early letters. Really, it's the group itself kind of came out 
of one guy who just wrote manuscript after manuscript, and those manuscripts became books, and then the books, now there's 10,000 pages of literature about the Order of Nine Angles. But uh, it's just interesting how it, it developed and gestated and then kind of metastasized all around the world. No, but, and, and that's the thing, though, is to try and trace the organic, uh, well, the organic uh, expansion of something like this, right? Right. One would say there, there, there were probably a million things that could have expanded organically. Uh, you know, a very common trope is that neo-Nazism spread around the planet even faster because of the Internet. I mean, they've been saying that since the 90s, right? Right. Uh, did it, in fact, spread, or was it just, you know, being delivered to a ready-waiting audience? That, to me, is a philosophical question that comes up all the time. And one could say that being conditioned for a death cult makes you more susceptible to a death cult. And these are serious right. questions. What do you think? Well, no, I agree with that. I mean, I think that there's an audience there. I think they're real, like, success, at least in Adam often, was really young males were online on edgy kind of boards and got introduced into far-right stuff. But whether, And I think that these groups are looking for people like that. They're looking for initiates or beginners in the kind of far-right world. So uh, I think that the Internet just put these two people who you know, may never pass each other in pre-internet days. It puts these people together to share ideas and then kind of build these groups. Mm. No, I, 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 I can, I, and that's the thing. Why am I, why am I asking William Ramsey these questions? Right? Because this is the process I hear when he does his podcast. Um, and I'm testing it, showing you guys that right. You know, he has no idea what I'm going to ask him. I think this is what's interesting about your podcast. I guarantee that's what's interesting about your book, uh, this particular book, and probably all your books. If you know, if they're all about the same type of subject matter, um, I got to tell you, it, it's it's probably a fascinating library uh, where you have to go through you know a, a whole bunch of interesting things and uh, and tie stuff together that is not commonly available. Yes. yes. So you know. I, I don't even know what to say about it, but it's it's great to get into the process with you here. And I yes, don't mean... Well, I, mean that, I think that's what all my books really are. We're really investigative journalism books on topics and subjects that are not covered in the mass media or corporate media, and so I think they're important for people to know and understand them. No, exactly. Um, and so, you know, again, some people said, well, I don't know if you and William Ramsey would... I don't have to. He's doing some interesting work where he's revealing rare information. How am I going to argue with him? Uh, you know, <laughs> I couldn't figure out why people said that. And, 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 you know, they were like, I'm surprised you're playing his show. And I'm like, why? It's good information. And that's the thing about you. Where can people go to, uh, to pick up on, on the podcast if they don't want to listen to my radio stream and put up with me, if they just want to go check out your podcast, is there a, a particular point? And also, uh, where can they go to get the books? Yeah, you can go to William Ramsey Investigates on iTunes. Not all the shows, like there's probably twice as many shows on my podcast than the ones that I've given you, Chuck. So there's a lot more interviews from other guests and things like that on there, particularly about this book. And you can get this book on, on all my books at uh, Amazon and my website, William Ramsey Investigates. And I have five documentaries that I just put back up on the subjects such as Occult Hollywood, Smiley Face Killers, and Aleister Crowley on Vimeo, so you can just go to Vimeo and type in William Ramsey and check out those documentaries. 
Well, fair enough. And here's the thing about uh, you know uh, uh, about Crowley or Crowley, depending on who you're talking to. The um, proper pronunciation is Crowley, but yeah, yeah no, I, I I know, but again, it's more recognizable as Crowley. So sure, sure. I, I I don't know what to do with that mm-hmm. sometimes. And does it really matter? <laughs> You know, well, I'm not. I'm not worried about pronouncing his name correctly. I'm not saying you shouldn't. You you do you do you. I, I I'm not really that concerned either. Yeah. So you know <laughs> you you know what my sentiment is. Yes. But uh, I'm just saying it's interesting though that uh, that there's still people out there tackling this. I mean, uh, Freeman Fly was on earlier, first time also having a conversation with him in public, um, and he's another guy who goes into these types of uh, uh, discussions. Uh, and, and I was more. on with him ten years ago. I was one of my published my first book. He was one of the first people to interview me. That's awesome. See, yeah, so and there, and there's that. and there's a reason for it, you know. Uh, and people think that the esoteric is something that is separate from their lives, and often think that occult or the hidden knowledge is something that is separate from their lives. But you know, you know that old adage about politics. Yeah, you don't care about politics, but politics might pay attention to you. However, that said, <laughs> well. Yes. You might not care about the esoteric and the occult, but uh, it might care about you. Well, very, very well said. Very, very well said. It's very true. There, people are, are swimming and, and connecting with occult and esoteric ideas ten times more than they. I think the general person would really ever, you know, uh, know without doing the research. Yeah, like, you know, for instance, why does law enforcement wear a star on their uniform? You know, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Why are there so many Masons in government? Why has every prime minister been a Mason in the UK for the last 300 years? Um, all kinds of stuff like that. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, you know, here's the thing. I, I investigate certain things, and people like William Ramsey investigated a slightly different way. And I think it all needs to get put into the light because uh, if you just allow people to act in darkness, then darkness you will receive. William Ramsey, again, William Ramsey investigates, and that would be the uh, way to find it on iTunes and probably a lot of other podcatchers, right? Indeed, yes, all of them. All of them. There you go. So, William Ramsey, again, I thank you for taking this time with me, and uh, this special Ocelli Effect will continue after this. In a world where everything is rebooted and regurgitated. I'm lucky to be on the Ocelli Network. Chuck Ocelli is a walking encyclopedia. He's got a heart of gold and he delivers. And so I think if I were to promote anything, I would say I would want more of this. And I would hopefully I'll be able to come back uh, again. I would like, I don't know what, what your thoughts are, but we need this network to grow and we need this show to grow. We need Dylan to keep delivering. So I think if I were to, on a parting note, I would just say support Dylan's show, support the Ocelli Network, make a donation subscribe, do something to be part of a great experience and a great network. Ocelli.com Do you like history? Real history that you were never taught in schools? Why? The Vietnam War. Nuclear bombs and nation building in Southeast Asia. By author Mike Swanson. With new documentation never seen before. That will open your eyes to events that led up to this. Why? The Vietnam War. Nuclear bombs and nation building in Southeast Asia. 1945 through 1961. Get your copy today at Amazon.com. Why? The Vietnam War. By author Mike Swanson. Ocelli.com. 
Oh boy, I don't know how I got a crowd surge noise in there, but hey, it's live. Here we go. And uh, continuing on with the interesting group of individuals with short breaks in between. Uh, one of the people that I'm most proud to have worked with at Ocelli.com and uh, has been the longest uh, uh, person that I have produced is Aaron Franz. And real special tonight because Uncle is with him as well. So Aaron Franz and Uncle, the age of transitions.com, UncleThePodcast.com, both websites you can get at the work that, uh, you know, Aaron Franz is just the sidekick on The Uncle Show. But he is the main man behind The Age of Transitions. And um, I'm extremely proud to have been producing that show now. How how long have I been producing? A couple years. Yeah, it's at least two. I, you, whenever anybody asks me how long you've been doing something or how long it took to do something, I never remember. So <laughs> that it's sounds right. It's about two or maybe possibly three. Is it three? That's right. About right, three now. I think Because uh, so. we started in Orange. Yeah, and, that, but we didn't catch him until we got here. We were out right? here in Riverside. And then, then we at caught the time him. When we went live. Then I and decided Chuck. to get Chuck. Yeah, that sounds I'm right. The one yeah. that got Chuck, Let's say so. three years. I like three that. Three years. I'm more I like, like the sound that. of that. Well, I, I, I love this. Yeah, no, I can't remember when I started doing stuff either. I got to really think about it and put it back in order in my head. And <laughs> the frank the, the, the frank truth here is that we started doing this, and it was transistor radio, uh, and that, that's what you called it. And we were supposed to have themes and memes sometimes, and yeah. we never got that, but we got Uncle the Podcast, which became Uncle the Broadcast, and... We, we've gotten two New Year's revolutions in, so I know it's been at least through two New Year's revolutions. Wait, wait. Um, and this it, is go- yeah. I counted this would be the third one. Yeah, I'm trying to count how many of those we've done now. Yeah, it's maybe. at least two. I want to believe that there was a third one, but maybe maybe it only has been the two. Maybe now. three, going on four. No, I think I think we've done three. I know we've done three. I think we've done, done three. Yeah, we've it's done it's three. I know three. we've We're done. We're going three. on four then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, that's it. That's it. Yeah, I think we've you done did. at least three. I know of. But mm-hmm. but I think the first one you did without me because I wasn't quite there yet. Well, no, you didn't come in, in until we got up here. I believe. Really? No, it was a live show. I'm sure it was, and no. we wouldn't have been doing live shows without you. I'm I'm sure. You must have been there for that first one. Really? The yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the first one, one of them was my dad was there. I thought that was the first one. Then there yeah, was yeah. another one where it was just Uncle and I upstairs here. Right. And then the last one was where we dressed up like ninjas for the, right, the right. opener. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. And I know that, that those three. That was when he was on. I know that when he was in. I, I know those are three separate shows. I know it. I and know. you must have been there for all three. So, so, it, yeah, I. I We've probably been doing this for like four or five years. Now, always add like two years to whatever my estimate is. I yeah. it's actually been two or three take more years. Five, take it five years, Deb, out now. I, I agree with that. About five years. Well, I'm, I think I haven't stopped yet, so it's moving on. I mean, I'm extremely proud of what we've done on Friday nights. We've had a lot of fun. Uh, one time there was an earthquake when we were live on air. Um, yeah, there was, that was a yes, good one. That was the one. Yes, I remember that. That one. was a good. Yeah, that, that was, was a good an orange. No, that was here. Was it? Here? That oh, was yeah, here. no, that's right. That was here. We were in the closet recording. That was it. That was right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we that's were in the closet recording it. That's right. I remember now. That was during the closet days. During the closet. We, time. We've since moved yeah. out. We're in. Uh, <laughs> we're in the greater 
uh, expanse of my bedroom now, <laughs> which we have been for a while, and that's yeah. where we're at currently. Very we, comfortable. By the way, we are we're we're trying to make a move of moving this into my my room when we're gonna make another podcast when <laughs> when my sister's room downstairs gets done so new studio uh, in the making new stu- in the ah. making right. so get ready so get ready for that we'll see I'm, no I'm on my way to possibly having it you know because as i've told you and i've told the listeners now i, I i'm i'm in the blanket fort in the corner of my bedroom <laughs> Right. The, yeah, there's there there there's blankets literally hanging behind me. That that's what it is. I took a bungee cord. Don't even ask. Anyway, <laughs> I've got blankets hanging around me to try and not have the sound from the rest of the house come in. Uh, and and very soon, with any with any luck, uh, within the week, <laughs> I will be in a, a room of my own <laughs> to uh, to do all the production. And uh, that includes doing your shows on Friday night. I say shows because, again, the age of transitions is one hour and Uncle is another hour. And they are two totally different shows. Although it's funny to me that sometimes you pass guests (laughs) from one to the other. (laughs) And it's hilarious. Um, I'm going to reveal to you my my favorite hilarious guest right now (laughs) of all time. And it's it's for all the wrong reasons. But I know Aaron is going to find this amusing. Aaron Dykes is my favorite guest of all time for one reason. Okay, not I mean Aaron Dykes is cool. I, I like him. Uh, he's a good guy, you know, and 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 he's well spoken and he puts out good material. I like Aaron Dykes, but the reason why I love him on on your show that one time that he was on your show <laughs> is that there was this very smooth typical thing that went on during the age of transitions and I don't think that Aaron Franz warned Aaron Dykes about the change in the show really when it came to Uncle because once you go into Uncle's show it's Uncle's world and that's the way it rolls we're we're all working for him and that's the way it goes um, hey, if you want uh, let's put it this way if if you want to listen to a book Welcome to Sidekicks, Kikeklick <laughs> Show. He's like first the audio book. Okay. The first hour. Okay. The first hour I'm talking about. Come to my hour, completely different story, like you're saying. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to anybody. Anybody can hit on the air. See, but, Let him in. See, but when you, got, when you got Bumwine Bob or somebody oh, else yeah. comes from one to the other, he's ready. For Uncle, oh yeah, Aaron Dykes was not prepared for the Uncle oh, show. Was he? Oh, no, was he? he was not. I, I, that's not the way it's. Maybe he was, and I don't know something. But it sounded to me like he did not know what to do, and I found that hilarious. That well, what he should have done, I thought he did a fine no, job. No, what he should have done, go back to my old shows. He would have been up on it. Yeah, before before he got on my show. No, but it's okay. Listen, it does. Here's the fun part: is even if it, even if the uncle guest, it it doesn't know what's happening or loses yeah. the thread, it's still great. And to me, that was the best one. And, and listeners, tell Aaron Franz, go ahead and email him, do whatever. Tell him if you disagree with me, or tell him if you agree with me, please. 
about Aaron Dykes being like, okay, <laughs> what's next? What what where, where are we going? Like, almost like a seven year old on his first roller coaster ride, going where where is this going? And I heard I'm that. Glad he, I'm glad he liked the show. I think he enjoyed it. I'm yeah, glad I he liked he it yeah, because... Yeah, yeah. No, you like roller coasters, but when you're on it for the first time, you don't necessarily, hey, whoa, whoa, what's going on? I felt like that was being broadcast with Aaron Dykes live, and we captured it. I, I thought that was hilarious. I don't think I've ever heard Aaron Dykes like that. And Uncle was just... Uncle was Uncle. And it just went exactly the way it needed to. It. Yeah, I see. <laughs> it was a fun show. Any thoughts, Aaron? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'll say that any guests that I, I I bring on the show, I always tell them about the Uncle Show. I'm like, look, the first hour just gonna be a straight up interview. It's just gonna be me, you, you know. It's gonna be talking. me talking to you seriously. But right. the second hour is the Uncle Show, and he's the host, not me. And it's a comedy show, it's so it's like, gonna be different. It's remembered. Remember when we did our first, when we went to our first comedy show out in Los Angeles? Yes, I'm yes. trying to get to that kind of way. We saw a live podcast. We saw a large uh, podcast up in L.A. LA it, once. It was we fun. One Friday night that we took off for just to see one. To, I did it for a reason. The reason I wanted to set myself up on my show the way they t are doing it on theirs. It was a good example. And that, that was an example for me. Mm -hmm. So, okay, now let's, how can I, like I say, how can I change this the way I want it to be said? And it it hit me when we went to that show. It was at a comic shop in comic West Hollywood. Show. Comic show, I yeah. can't remember the name of the comic shop. It was awesome. It and was with the ladies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was um, Mixed Feelings Mixed podcast. Feelings. I wish I could remember the name of the comic store. It's not there anymore. It was on um, Sunset Boulevard. So, Sunset, like. But it was a cool spot. They had yeah. this back room you go to. And, and, yeah, that night they were doing their show, and they had a local guest, this guy that they were interviewing. It, it was fun. They, they invited us because we knew him through Instagram or something. And yeah. it was just cool. So, yeah, that sticks out in Uncle's head. That's my, my thought. I, of it. I, and then that's how that put me in a position – for my show, oh, maybe I could do it sort of that way, but different kind of tour, and it and it worked out, and it works out and here the way are. I was trying to figure now, it out. In now my we're on the Ocelli Radio Network, no, and it can it be better? Yeah, we do live a show uh, every Friday night. We love yeah. it. Yep. It's right where we want to be. So thank you, Chuck, yeah, for thank you, having us, for producing us. It's yeah. been it's been great. And congratulations on the oh, two thousand show, Chuck. Two thousand show. This Chuck. is exciting. It's, congratulations. No, and I I really appreciate that, guys. And I, again, I say I'm extremely proud. I mean, I'm proud of all the shows that I've produced, basically, except some of my own, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I, I'm proud of all the shows that I produced. But you guys are are amazing because it's always different. There's always if it's Aaron just talking by himself in the first hour, it's great. When he's got a guest, it's great. Callers, everybody, it's always it's always something different. And the Uncle Show never ceases to crack me up. Uh, while I'm sitting here trying to produce, sometimes it's good. I got my slider down because I'm laughing and stuff uh, at what's going and, on, and I love it. It's a good time, you know. So, 
There you go. And on top of that, I do my my reviews. Oh yeah. Oh, and they go off my reviews. That really, that really, <laughs> um, yeah. Lets people get a bit loose when you have a dollar store beer and gets you, uh, yeah, yeah. Takes the edge off, so to speak. For so like it, the day, like a day you say you were busy. <laughs> a day before this, and this will like loosen you up. Oh, like that's what we're there for. Have, yeah. That's what it mainly for, and I figured the world would have a test on these things. So yeah, yeah, I think I think we provide that for the yeah. people that, and it's it's exciting the forum you have here, Chuck, with the chat room, and yeah. it's the same people you see a lot in the chat room. It's cool. It's like oh yeah, they're back again. It's just exciting to know that like there's that core audience of like really dedicated people that just show up. And you can only do that with a, a live show, and it's just so much fun. So yeah, it's it's been a great time that we've had uh, alongside you, Chuck. So yeah. it's a, these these are great memories that uh, are in the making. I mean, we're we're still doing it now, so it's something that I'm really um, pleased with, and and I'm uh, counted as a blessing. So just want to say that, Chuck. Well, look, I, I really appreciate both of you guys. Uh, sorry to have cut your segment slightly short, but here we go. I'm sliding around doing things live. And, <laughs> you know, we, we've, we've done quite a few interesting things, and I urge you guys to tune in at 10 p.m. Eastern Time for the Age of Transitions. And if, if, if you don't want to hear that, no problem. Something completely different at 11 p.m. Eastern, <laughs> Uncle the Broadcast. And... I never know what's going to happen. It's like I'm going on the roller coaster like Aaron Dykes did on that recent episode. So. You never know what's what's going to come out of my mouth. More or less speaking of on my show. Exactly. Like, I know where you're going, Chuck. And that's exactly how I want to put it down as. I'm going to put it down like, all right.
Go ahead, caller. Hey, I'm interested in the truth about the JFA assassination. Right. Well, what do you want to know? Judy Baker's wild claim, Oswald girlfriend, he knew Ruby and Barry, cancer weapons. Really? I imagine I could claim I have four wheels. It doesn't make me a wagon, but okay. Oswald was on the kill team and trying to prevent the murder of John Kennedy. Come on now. Has a real effort on the JFA assassination built into her claims? Go to Amazon.com. Enter Judith Baker in her own words. You'll get results for a digital copy of a book where Walt Brown utilizes her own words and the known evidence in the case to get at, well, <laughs> a different perspective, let's say. You can get Judith Barry Baker in her own words from the author himself, signed, if you request it, by contacting Dr. Brown at K-I-A-S-J-F-K at AOL.com. It's a fun book, and it actually dissects the many, many fantastic claims. Judith Barry Baker in her own words. Thank you for all the great information. When a fan of the Ocelli Effect calls in to the Ocelli Effect. I just wanted to call in and tell you and Michael Swanson and J.P. Sicilian, all of the guests that you have, how much I love your show. Always interesting. It's always informative. I just wanted to tell you in person, on the phone, I mean, I love you. I love your show. I, I love everything you do. I will always be there to support you. You know that. We appreciate you so much. Uh, you, you have okay. no idea. Thanks. And most of our fans just send hate mail and death threats. Shelly.com. Expect your government to tell you the truth. You're going to sadly, sadly disappoint another one of these things. Dear, dear Lord, what a dirty, dirty old man. Really? serious. Is this really one things to be More The Ocelli Effect is sponsored by WallStreetWindow.com and listeners like you. And now, the most underrated voice in all media, Chuck. So we are continuing on with this six-hour broadcast, which which might actually go over a little, <laughs> but because nothing ever works out exactly as planned, I'm about uh, almost seven minutes late getting to the next person that we need to hear from. Um, and why do we need to hear from him? Well, first of all, I love talking to him. I haven't spoken to him in a while, so indulge me, but... Also, since we're talking about the 2000th episode, it is worthy of mention that the first time I went live, it was kind of with the encouragement of an individual who went to somebody else who had a broadcast network and said, even though this guy hasn't really done his own show, I bet you he can do one on your network. Uh, and that alone gave me a spot to start working from. <laughs> and uh, 
2,000 shows later, I wonder if the great Jack Blood is uh, having any regrets <laughs> about what it is that, uh, that 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 he encouraged, that he uh, helped to give uh, give life to uh, these these so not so many years later, but many episodes later, um, and here he's with us via phone tonight. I'm really, really glad because I haven't heard from him in a bit. And I've been wondering if he got, you know, cooked up there in the Pacific Northwest at some point because he might be in that area where the temperatures are high. I'm not sure. I guess we'll find out. Jack Blood, one of the people that um, I, I, I wish I could rip you off, but I don't have your talent on air, honestly. I love you, man. How you doing? The Chuckster. Hey, man. Happy <laughs> 2K. That is excellent. I think you might have surpassed me, and I, I put 20 years into it. But, yeah, and I don't know what I said to that person to get you, your your show, and to get you on the air. I don't think it was like you told, but I think I said, this guy's amazing. He's a top-notch researcher. He's a really hard worker, and he'd be a huge asset over there. And then I threatened him. So uh, it all worked out. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 what can I say, man? I, I, I know you're kidding. You, you pretty, but you did put in a nice word for me, and uh, that's that's what got me started. Um, but previous, I was saying that you know I was complaining to you and to some other broadcasters who I respected and liked about stuff they were doing, and at a certain point, you know, you Corbett, <laughs> um. Clyde Lewis, a couple other people all responded to me with, yeah, why don't you do your own show then? Um, <laughs> which, uh, you know, from you, I, mean, I know it was more extensive than that from you because you, you, you have this way of alliterating certain things, very short to the point, when you write something. <laughs> but it, it, it gets uh, attitude, intent, and content all across very concisely. Um, you know, Corbett was very polite because, well, he's polite. And Lewis just basically said, yeah, you should probably do your own show. Um, but you three guys <laughs> and and some others who, who weren't as kind about it um, basically said, why don't you do it yourself? And I said, oh, okay, let's see if I can figure that out. Um, and that's yeah. how we got started. Uh, and many wacky adventures, and you and I have been on, well, the same networks or traded spots on networks at times uh, which I, I I fell into total disbelief about that uh, when certain things went on but I haven't heard from you in a while and I, I miss you man um, you, you want to give well, people I miss, I miss you back yeah no I mean you know the thing is look I would make a funny joke right here where hey Chuck it's not as easy as it looks but you make it look easy you, you've done a great job and now if you go to YouTube, you'll see that not only do you have a show and all my other callers back from the syndicated show have their own shows, but so does everybody else and their grandmother. So apparently it's very easy. <laughs> well, it, it, it's easy to have a show. And it, it is true <laughs> okay, that, like, you go. I, I, I'm seeing people that used to be in your chat room uh, coming out with shows. <laughs> and... and uh, look, I was one of. The, I used to call into your show, uh, and, and and oh no, yeah, you were the the great blind JFK researcher, and that was always intriguing to me. I'm like, this dude really, 
and uh, you would always bring a great call. It's funny that, you know, a lot of people don't know this, and who cares? A, a fun fact that Sean Hannity started like that. He was a caller, and he was such a good caller into this radio station in Pennsylvania that they gave him his own weekend show, and then now he's the, the biggest douchebag of all time, making millions of dollars a year. So, see, anyone can do it. Well, not only can anyone be a douchebag, but they can aspire to be the biggest douchebag. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and, and, well, that, and it's, a, yeah. it's a feather in my it's a it's a feather in my cap too, Chuck, because you know I have some regrets in my life, and uh, you know, no one's perfect. But I put you and Maria Heller on the air, and uh, that's always something that makes me happy. And that that's another fun fact is that uh, you know I got introduced to Maria via you. And you you were the one who, ready for this one, I don't know if everybody knows this, but terrestrial radio. Jack was producing terrestrial radio, not online radio, <laughs> but terrestrial radio, and Maria happened to be a host that he was producing. And he's the one who put her on the air, I think, on terrestrial radio for the first time. And, you know, 22 years of her now on the Internet, almost. <laughs> okay. Yeah, crazy. Uh, You're yeah, stuck. no, hey, I'm I'm pretty proud of that. We discovered her, we produced her, we put her on the air on a 50,000 water middle of the dial AM in Phoenix, Arizona, which at that time was, I think, the 16th biggest market in America. Uh, and she just killed it. She just knocked it out of the park right away. So, mm. And, you know, that's the thing. Nowadays, you know, again, I feel... Uh, it, it's kind of funny because I do a, 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 a twice a month show with her, but really it was you doing blood and guts with her once a month that got me into listening to who is this woman? Because um, I wasn't anywhere near Phoenix. I, you know, I was still in uh, New Jersey uh, at the time, <laughs> kind of one of the furthest points on the planet from Phoenix without yeah, being. God help you. Yeah. So anyway, New Jersey. Um, and, and I heard this, and I went, Maria's amazing. I mean, I had heard you before, and uh, I, I had been listening to you a lot before I started bugging you. Uh, and, and, I, and I loved your style because it was very much of my attitude. I, I appreciated your attitude uh, and, and your quick, quick wit and knowledge and the way that you produced uh, your show alone. Uh, but when I heard the two of you together, I was like, oh, I got to I gotta talk to this woman. Uh, and lo and behold, a couple of years later, now I'm doing that with her all the time. Um, and uh, again, you know, you and I have actually done the do si -do on, say, American Freedom Radio, <laughs> where, uh, where you weren't there, yeah. so I went in there, and then I wasn't there, and you went in there. Um, and I'm not going to make any more comments about that. I'm just saying, it, it's... I wanted to be, and, and I explained this in a, a recent, like somebody asked me a bunch of questions on a podcast. I said, uh, you know, it, it wasn't that I had, because they wanted to know, did I have a role model when it came to this? Now, you do know I didn't call you a role model, because um, I, I, I can't do that with a straight face. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm speaking of Chuck, I'm Charles Barkley in that regard, man. No, don't use me as a role model. Exactly. So the thing is, I said, you know, I didn't want to be a role model Uh, or I didn't want a role model, I should say. And I don't want to be a role model. Here's the thing. I saw people and I wanted to be their peer. I literally wanted to be Jack Blood's peer. I, I know that's, you know, when it comes to uh, certain things, <laughs> that might not be 
the wisest thing because you know you've been harassed for doing what you've done uh you you you've definitely gone through you know some tough times that you might not have for doing what you did but still I wanted to be Jack Blood's colleague I wanted to be a colleague of the people that were out there working hard telling the truth and not taking marching orders from anybody um and that's that's where it went so you know again i i can't credit you enough um but i i also terribly miss you man (laughs) i really do i i back well back at you hey man back at you if i get out to the east coast i mean we're definitely gonna you know go have a couple of brews or something yeah and it's weird because i've been a bystander so I watch, you know, a little bit of Joe Rogan. Uh, you know, I watch uh, a little bit of Matt Tybee. I actually really like that dude. A couple others, Jimmy Dore. Um, now I'm mentioning uh, progressives. Uh, there's just not hmm. a whole lot of uh, right-wing people that are doing it for me right now. And I just think they're completely caught up and lost in the game that's being played. But there's some really, really good stuff out there. And most of it's uh, shite, you know, and that's kind of how radio always was. Uh, I-, I love terrestrial radio. I would do it in a heartbeat again if I had the opportunity. Um, this whole game, this censorship, this wokeness, this all this crap that's going on now, uh, the way the tech companies, and I-, I know some really big people in these tech companies. I know how they think, and uh, they are not your friends. Everybody knows that, though I almost look at it as an extension of our early work. I look at almost everything going on as an extension in some ways of our work. You know, we we, we were out there preaching revolution, and God damn it, we have it. It's just not the revolution you wanted, and that's how it works, man. You don't get to, you don't get to dictate how this all happens how this all goes how it catches fire in the woods and then where it goes from there this is what it does and you kind of have to babysit it all the time and there just isn't people doing that so the few people that do good work i absolutely appreciate it it's uh i mean it's really the forest through the trees right now but but uh congratulations really on just staying going because a lot of the people i know a lot of my people that started shows, they're done now, you know, and, right. and who can blame them? I'm done. You know, who can blame people for just going, okay, it's just not worth it, you know? Well, look, I and, know uh, you're still hanging in there, Chuck, and we, yeah. need, and we need you, bro. We need you to do that. Listen, I'm, I'm going to do that as, as long as I'm breathing, I'm going to do this uh, if I have my way. Now, sometimes life does get in the way, and that's another issue, too. You know, they don't make it easy for you to be a nail sticking up. Um, and, and the tech companies, it's funny, uh, j- just so you know. I, I mean, I know you, you're already aware you're talking to a thought criminal, but um, specifically, yeah. according to the Gucci... Enemy of the state. Of course, but specifically according to the GooTube, I'm also a cyber bully and somebody who encourages violence, despite the fact that I have never done either thing. And yeah. apparently I'm cyber bullying Jeffrey Epstein, Yeah, just so yeah. you know. And well, uh, listen, hey, hey, let, me give you a, <laughs> let me give you a quick analogy. So I think people know exactly what you're saying right now, Chuck. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, I used to do all this drug war reporting because I had some killer inside sources. 
mm-hmm. that were in the drug cartels and then got out. Uh, some of them were state's witness, okay? And so I had a direct line to know what was going on with the drug cartels. And one day, uh, it was close to the end of my run, they told my source, they go, look, he needs to shut up because, get this, because we'll kill him and his entire family, which I've had bombs thrown in my house and shit before, sorry for the, for the S word. Um, but the most important thing is they're like, and no one cares. So, like, why am I going to risk my life if no one even cares that I'm doing this investigative reporting, which is all we did. You know, a lot of guys now, they just read stuff off the internet or comment on stuff that's on the internet. We would, like, call the FBI. We would interview people. We would find witnesses. You know, I had, like, a bunch of first responders from 9-11 on my show and a long list of people like that. Mm-hmm. And we would try to get the story that the mainstream media wouldn't cover and do that with investigative reporting. And at the end of the day, and I don't want to, like, bum anyone out. I'm not trying to do that, but to go for it. But at the end of the day... It was uh, a lot of who cares, and it's a lot of risk. You know, I was losing almost a computer a week. You know, that's how bad it got there at the end. It was really, really bad. I don't even have a computer now because they'll just blow it up. You know, I mean, it's right. just, that's how easy it is. Well, and and, uh, and then you know, yeah. this whole thing with John McAfee right now is really like kind of spinning my head a little bit. I'm really interested in what's going on with the aftermath of the John McAfee did not commit suicide thing, and I'm really interested. I keep up to date. I'm like, I'm. I'm I could do a show right now and just blow doors because I'm really up to speed on everything going on. But where, who cares if I say anything, right? See, there, there you have it. And and the thing is, going and doing the because I've had these confrontations on my show on occasion, and I'm not confrontational usually. I'm very polite. But you know, people start ripping off certain facts to me that they think they got because they you know did did a search engine, you know. Uh, and, and I'm like, okay, great, that's lovely, but you know, I actually called these places. I checked with the, you know, the media liaison at the law enforcement agency to see if they had a statement about this. Um, I actually called and talked to somebody at that desk that you're talking about, and certain things, you know, I, I'll always point this out because. <laughs> You you were one of these guys who, you know, oh, Pizzagate, it's a real thing. They're torturing kids in the basement. Yeah, you know, if you checked with a couple of people that lived there. I was not a Pizzagate Pizzagate guy. I hope hope that's not what people heard. Oh, no, 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 no. That's exactly the opposite direction I'm about to go here. Is that Jack said immediately that, you know, I I know people in the D.C. area. I've talked to them, and there isn't even a basement in that building. Now I found that so unbelievable, Jack, and I'm gonna I'm gonna admit this to you, that I wanted to double check it. So I made calls. Okay. <laughs> and I said, this is the most outlandish thing I've ever heard of. That you're gonna tell me that there's a torture room that can't possibly exist where they say there's a torture room. Not that you know there isn't a storage closet there because there is. But you know, okay, let, let's go into the store. There isn't a basement, and I confirmed what you said. And went on, and I said, look, I got to give credit to Jack Blood, but I confirmed it, too. Like, actively confirming something. So, we, so there you go. And there's a red flag, and now you got you always got to be really careful what you're passing along and reporting. And it's so funny that in this day and age, we get accused of doing the opposite. When it's the mainstream media that, does, that doesn't report anything, that takes the press release off the Pentagon fax machine or whatever they use today, email, 
mm-hmm. and then just reads it verbatim and you can go from channel to channel and hear the exact same verbiage uh, and then if you challenge that now you're kicked off of social media you're in trouble all your friends will hate you uh, I mean one quick example and this is still haunting me is we talked to Francis Boyle before uh, his professor Francis Boyle who wrote the entire uh, you know UN weapons treaty for biological weapons and warfare et cetera, et cetera. and we had him on before uh well, we had him on after the anthrax attacks after 9-11, and he said, look, this stuff was made in Ames, Iowa. It was uh, weaponized at Fort Detrick, right? And everyone thought we were crazy. And what ended up happening is that they caught a guy at Fort Detrick who, uh, who had manufactured and allegedly snuck this stuff out of Fort Detrick, weaponized anthrax, and that's how it got sent to all these people, not al-Qaeda, the first guy, of course, if you remember, they caught him, and he was the wrong guy. The second guy committed suicide before he could ever talk to him. Mm-hmm. The bottom line was that Francis Boyle was right. And when COVID happened, he came out and said, and I did a, a Maria Heller show, and I, I talked to her about this. I'm not sure if she was buying it, but at the time, he had said that, and even Fauci has admitted, and no one caught this. This is a gem of a moment mm-hmm. when he was being grilled by Rand Paul and Rand Paul's like gain of function. You guys that were sponsoring the Wuhan China Corona, to, to quote John Stewart, who did a great job on this the other day. Uh, it's the Corona <laughs> Institute, and then that's where Corona started, you know. And then they had analyzed it and found like all these different particular molecular uh, bases to know that there was all kinds of stuff going on there. It had to be weaponized, right? Okay. So he said that North Carolina to Wuhan, no one's looking at University of North Carolina right now, but they will, because even Fauci is admitting it. But you weren't allowed to say that. Last year, you were not allowed to say that, and now you are. I don't know. I mean, this is a weird game we're playing. Uh, I'm pretty sure at this point that the Trump psyop has completely screwed us. The Trump and Q psyops in my humble opinion, have screwed us to such a degree that you can literally have pictures, like I used to say back in the day, Chuck, of Dick Cheney standing over a baby and stabbing it, and people won't believe it. So it's a really interesting predicament, and I really think, you know, I don't care about Trump one way or the other. He did a couple of good things I actually thought was cool. So did Obama. Biden's yet to do that, Um, (laughs) and he probably won't. Right, uh, right. You know... I think that that I think that the Trump psyop set us back twenty years. It, it, it was brutal. I mean, they had yep. the militia being pro-government. They had a pro-government militia, basically. The militias all bought in. The conspiracy people bought in. The yeah. libertarians bought in. Man, the Republicans bought in. Everybody bought in. When when you take so I'm a look, running around my yard grilling right now. If I sound out of breath, that's why. No, it's cool. Even if you were just out of breath from what you're talking about, it makes perfect sense. And <laughs> I, I'm I'm not going to try and keep you too much longer. Uh, but you know, one final thing I want to say is that I I I saw it as very intelligent that you actually withdrew when you did, because it became exhausting dealing with what yep. I consider to be. A Trojan horse, which is the Trump psyop, 
that some people wanted to ride in and some people wanted to ride on. And it just absolutely decimated all of the independent media, in my estimation, because it it created these camps. There was money it floated on every front. There wouldn't be a Biden if you didn't have a Trump. And by the way, there wouldn't be a Trump if you didn't have an Obama. So that's right. Look, man, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. We just bombed Syria and Iraq yesterday. Right. We are bombing these so-called Iranian militias. They say they have a drone fleet. Give me a break. Their navy is like a couple of speedboats. Right. Okay. I don't even believe that, and no one's covering that angle. But people are beginning to cover the angle of, hey, Hezbollah, you know, or the Iranians and these people are fighting ISIS and Al Qaeda. Mm-hmm. And we bomb them. So we're basically Al-Qaeda's air force right now. Yeah. I mean, it's just unbelievable. The stuff we said 20 years ago that was conspiracy proof, conspiracy fact, like the FBI bombed the World Trade Center in 1993. That is a freaking fact. Okay. Yeah. So who might have done it the next time? I don't know. Let's don't even look at them. Um, you know, so so. This is this is happening, but what they're doing is a repeating pattern of, okay, you caught us, we're doing this, we're funding terrorists again, uh, as we always did. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're propping up warlords all around the world who, by the way, don't like gays and don't like women and don't have human rights or, or whatever, right? And And when you catch them, it's always a few years later, Chuck. So people go, well, that was a few years ago that there was Iran-Contra. They don't do that anymore. And so then they go on to their new stuff. The new, they're literally conspiracies. There are people in a room, and they are like BlackRock and um, you know all these different groups that are doing this stuff. And they, they have a perfect conveyor belt of moving action going on, man, because if you catch them today – and that's something they did five years ago. They'll go, okay, we did it. We fired a guy or whatever. But we don't do that again. We don't do mind control anymore. You caught us, and we don't do it. We don't use Mockingbird to manipulate the media anymore, right? Because you caught us, and we don't do it. And it's so ridiculous that you're always in a state of conspiracy theory because the conspiracy facts are cold. Hmm. What 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 can I say? I mean, th- th- this is this is the massive problem, and it became, like I said, exhausting to watch. Really, any progress that was yeah. made in yeah. intellectually with getting facts out there, like you you bring up, you know, well, the World Trade bombing in '93. Hardly anybody talks about that. Nobody even mentions the anthrax attacks anymore. That, you know, poof, People gone. will fight you if you tell them that the FBI made the bomb that bombed the World Trade Center in 1993, even though Dan Rather reported on it on the evening news. They will fight you if you try to say that now. Yeah. If you try to say that that the uh, COVID, which took my job, ruined my life. My wife and I both lost our jobs. We had careers, okay? Mm-hmm. It wasn't a job we had. We had careers. And our careers were ruined through this we've been just basically trying to exist and survive for the last year hey wouldn't it be nice to know where this comes from do you know remember when i lived in atlanta chuck mm-hmm. 
and I was literally a, a mile or two away from the CDC headquarters. Right. And they would constant, and I know you're having Corbett on, tell him I said hi, him and Freeman, for sure, okay? Mm -hmm. I love those guys. And, it, it, you know, and Corbett used to call it the Center for Disease Creation. Well, I lived next door to them. And they would shut the campus down, Chuck, because they, their crap would leak out of there. So, well, we're supposed to believe that it's incompetence. It's not incompetence. It's hubris. And it, many times it's design. And if you can't tell people that, and they won't believe it, and they won't believe it for five years, right? And then it's too late. And then they don't do it anymore. And they keep repeating that pattern. We're never going to get any kind of progress or change. Well, you know, and, and even when the headlines do cover something and do expose it, it somehow still disappears down the memory hole, Jack. And... Again, I know I've taken oh, well, up a lot. Yeah, of, there's that. Yeah, I, I, definitely. Yeah, I know I've taken up a lot of your time, but let me let me make a point about something you brought up quite a few things. I got things. all the time in the world for you, Chuck. No problem. All right. Well, just this this one last thing, and then I want you, I want you to grill and enjoy, man, because it sounds like a good thing. And uh, you know, all all my best wishes to you and your entire family, because again, you're one of these guys that actually has a family and had to consider that as you went through your trek in this, you know, independent media world. Uh, and people need to remember that, especially when they look back at the valuable information that Jack Blood gave to everybody. Okay, including me. Hey, Chuck, my boy is my boy is turning 18. He can kick Rex Jones's ass. Let me tell you that right nice. now. Nice. Well, you know, my, 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 boy, <laughs> my boy just turned seven. My youngest boy just turned seven today. <laughs> My 18-year-old boy is six foot five, though, and above three bills. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, my, my a boy. All right, lucky sperm club. Hell there you yeah. go. And uh, no, I'll put it. I'll put my boy. I'll put my boy, Fallon Blood, in a cage match with Rex Jones, Alex Jones's son, any day of the week, and the money goes to charity. I'll just put that out there. Listen, if if, if, uh, if we can I'm arrange with, it, I'm going with uh, Children's Hospital here in Seattle. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> sounds excellent. Tell you what, if you can arrange it, I'll, I'll go for the undercard, <laughs> and you can put the blind, crippled lunatic in against any two of the. Uh, You'll in be the referee, Chuck. You can ref it. <laughs> but I used to actually box, Jack. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> The blind man who boxed. What haven't you done? Uh, you Chuck, know, what haven't you done? I know, that's the cool thing. That I've, I've lived a weird life, man, which I'm writing a book about, and I'll send it to you when it's done, because I think you'll you'll enjoy oh, yeah. who, who it is you decided to inspire. Uh, but anyway, back to the point I was trying to make. You know, even something like the crisis of the poison water in Michigan, right? I had on people that were in the community running around trying to deliver water to their neighbors, uh, getting Legionnaire's disease, not sure what was going on. I had them on here. They're dead now. Okay? My guests who were part yeah. of that are dead now. All right? And, yeah, yeah, I did bring it to a stop to tell you that. They're, they're not the only people I've lost along the way. But they're dead. No. We know why they're dead. We know exactly why they're dead. 
Do you think that has been fixed? I mean, it was a headline du jour for a little while. Anybody talk about it anymore? Does anybody talk about all the local water supplies that are poisoning everybody across the country in a lot of places? And that I mean, the Southwest is running out of water, and that's why I live here up in Goonsville, uh, Seattle, where I was born. No, I mean, I know. No, because they constantly keep us, uh, you know, whack a moling all through the day. You know, and that was one of the great things that, I mean, if there's a silver lining in this chemtrail that is called COVID, <laughs> uh, allegedly, it um, it is that people had some time off to sit and think about what a dumb life you have that you just work, 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 pay taxes and die, right. you know, and go along with it, everything that everyone says and you're too afraid to speak out or you're you're afraid to even say anything that it could be taken the wrong way you can get canceled you know all this stuff I'm like i'm saying earlier you know it used to be cool there was a right wing that was almost close to a lot of people call it socialist or libertarianism or or anarcho-capitalism these kinds of things and uh scott horton i don't know if you ever listened to him but we brought him up he's another guy he already had shows but i brought him on a network and helped you know, get them going. And then we had a, we were on the guy that coined the term podcast, uh, Adam Curry network, um, mm-hmm. the, uh, agenda network. I put him on there, you know, but he, he said something I, I never forgot. It's like the far left and the far right, which really don't identify with parties, either of them. Right. They're almost identical They're And this is why it, when Occupy was happening and before that we had the Ron Paul tea party, um, and then they kind of almost were starting to fuse. And at that point, Van Jones came out and gave a speech and basically told the Occupy to go kill the Tea Party people. And I'm not talking about the Teocons, the fake Tea Party people, right? Because we would go to those Occupy compounds, and, and you know how they beat Occupy? It wasn't by evicting them, because this is Obama's time, right? They're, they're supposed to be on the same the same crew right he he did all that and then they didn't care and they didn't protect those guys you know how they did it chuck it's the tried and true fashion they'd go in and they'd find the leader of the occupy movement uh. and they'd give him fifty thousand dollars in his bank account and then leak it that he got 50 grand and he'd try to like walk off with it and it would cause this massive infighting extension and blow the whole thing up yep you know, but my point was is that OQT, that they did everything. That was a very scary moment for the establishment, the status quo. Call them what you want. At that point, they honestly could have fused together and changed things for all of us for the better. We wouldn't have this rancor, this uh, this infighting, this fighting between your family members over if you're a Trumper or not a Trumper or whatever, man. None of that would have happened if we would have done that. So, no, I mean, the, there, are, there are certainly solutions to problems, but you can't just, like, go, as you just said, you just can't go day to day to day to day and keep changing your mind and moving on to something else. You know, when we won stuff in Texas, we won the uh, toll road battle, man, it was a thousand people going to the city hall and the meetings, and they were committed and they couldn't beat us, right? You know, I mean, that's how we won. That's how you win. No, I. What can what can I say? That is exactly what happens. But you see, what 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 is common here 
is the thing that nobody wants in the establishment, which is, guess what? A whole lot of people getting together, and not even a majority. Just a significant group of people getting together and understanding that, you know what? For all intents and purposes, our mutual interests are a reality. And that's something that has been lost intentionally because, as you said, look, you couldn't have possibly launched the orange cue ball that broke the rack, okay, that was Trump. If you didn't do that first, it wouldn't have been possible. And that's the other fun part about this is that, you know, when you look at the extreme left, the extreme right and all that, and like you said, they they could come together if they understand that, you know, Shaking things up is not just no. No, what we have to let me just interrupt you. If you if we have to understand is that the center, the moderates, right? These mm-hmm. center people, centrists, they're the same, and the people on the fringes are the same. Even if, and they have done everything they can over time mm-hmm. to make those people on the fringes enemies and to make the people in the middle close. Right? right. You got like Republicans on MSNBC people like the piece of shite David Frum, who was, I did interview him on mm-hmm. my show, he wrote the Axis of Evil speech, right? And they have him on MSNBC because he's a Trump hater, yeah. right? So he's rallying, you know, pro-war, pro-corporation, pro-Wall Street Republicans, and they all have everything in common. The two sides, MSNBC, Fox, I mean, if you want to just, like, you know, delineate it bad and break it down into a very small microcosm, that's it. But we, on on the far reaches of this stuff, need to join. Mm -hmm. And they are trying to keep us apart. This divide and rule by race, by what you say, by how you think, uh, you know, by what group you identify with or whatever, all of that is meant to keep the machine rolling <laughs> so let's go and put a big piece of chain mail in front of the, the machine and stop the gears I mean you know famously Abby Hoffman said that I mean you know and he's right that's what we have to do that has to be done and not not burn down your neighbor's house not burn down your neighbor's business no but you know not kill people on the street that have nothing to do with you right but target how you're doing this stuff and it just sucks you can just really see we don't have any leaders we just don't have any leaders everybody's bought and paid for you know people listen to joe rogan because he's going to tell them the truth he doesn't even know what he's talking about 90 percent of the time dude i i know that guy for a long time he does not know what he's talking about if you listen to him closely he'll say i just don't know i don't know well i know chuck you know your listeners know. Thank you very much. What? What? Thank you so much for having me on, man. I've probably just been ranting and monopolizing. I've been on the radio for a while, so thank you for having me. And a glorious, glorious, how do you do? Congratulations for a 2,000 show. That's quite an accomplishment. Well, I, again, Jack, uh, none, none of this possible without your encouragement. It wouldn't happen the same way, I guarantee it, and I don't think it would have happened at all. So... You know, I I used to joke with Jack, send all your hate mail to, and then I would give Jack's email uh, every time I talked to him, because <laughs> I had I had I had some hate listeners, you know, and uh, you know just just 
here here we go for my all color comment right just like sex sometimes anger motivated uh things are more intense including people who decide to listen to your show um so there... that's a great analogy <laughs> anger sex is awesome you should try it if you have it out there folks a- exactly uh, see you gotta have a safe word what's your what's your safe word chuck well, if I tell you, I mean, you know, what good is that the next time I see you? <laughs> Gazane Maxwell will come in and then you'll, <laughs> she'll know it. No, that is not it. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, and, and, and meanwhile, Trump might not wish you well, you know, if I give you my safe word. So, anyway, <laughs> it is what it is. Hey, Jack man, uh, Blood, thank hey, you. Make sure, hey, make sure you tell uh, Corbett and Freeman I said hello and give my love, man. I love those guys. They are super quality. Corbett is still knocking it out the park all the time. And Freeman, I'm just, I, I'm so, like, not on his level. I just, it'll take me four more lifetimes to understand what that guy's saying half the time. But they are really quality researchers. And, of course, Maria Heller was on your show. And all the people going um, support Chuck because if you don't, Chuck goes away and you get stuck with fake Chuck. Let's have real Chuck. There you go. Uh, and uh, Thank you, Jack. I, I, I can't thank you enough for your 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 friendship, your encouragement and, and this appearance, man. I really appreciate it and uh, anytime that you want to come on and rant and rave, you let me know because <laughs> we'll make it happen. Well, that might have to happen. Hey, man, uh, love you, buddy, and all your listeners and the people that support you and everyone on tonight. Happy 2000. Stay bold, brother. Thank you, my brother. That's right. He always used to end his show by, uh, you know, by, by with with that stay bold tagline. I'm not even going to attempt it because it was, it was always perfect. But thank you, Jack Blood, for all that you have done. And who knows, maybe you'll do some more in the future. Keep them guessing, brother. Revelation through conversation. Okay, here is what we're going to do, guys, on the live stream at Ocelli.com. I am going to take your calls now. Everything ran a little longer than it was supposed to, but if you would like, send me a message on Skype if you want to be added via Skype. Uh, I will do that, but also... You can call in at 319-527-5016, 319-527-5016, if you're hearing me live. And uh, join in. We, we might have to run a little over. Matter of fact, we're going to absolutely have to run over because I've got a couple of pre-recorded spots here. So we're going to go into those. And uh, coming up first, I guess, let's see. Let's take a look. Oh, I have that one that I accidentally started twice during the live broadcast. So how about we switch from Cirrus Minor into the pre-recorded spot with James Corbett. And you guys, like I said, call in or message me on Skype, charles.ocelli or 319-527-5016. And uh, we're, we're, we're going to go past midnight Eastern, but wherever you are, it might be another time zone. So... Here we go with uh, James Corbett and the, the the thing I had to pre-record with him to get him to be part of the 2000s show. Stick around. The Ocelli Effect continues on the live stream. 
Okay, guys, so far this should have been an interesting broadcast. And why do I say it should have been an interesting broadcast? Because what you're listening to right now is pre-recorded. <laughs> the only pre-recorded piece uh, from a proper guest, although we, we may have a listener pre-recording in here, I'm not sure. You know, these things are being developed, and it's actually a couple of weeks earlier than the June 29th show you're listening to. So why did we do this? Well, we had to. Why did we have to? Because there is a guy whose name always comes up whenever I say, who would be a great guest? Um, when I say, who, who is it that I can have this discussion with? And I ask listeners, who is it that you'd like to hear logically, rationally go through uh, a difficult topic, a controversial topic? One of the names that is a guarantee in some of those answers is a guy who is directly responsible. <laughs> See, get, get, get ready for your hate mail, James, because they may send it to you. Um, you know, <laughs> a guy who's directly responsible actually for me getting the Ocelli effect started. Now, how did that happen? I'm not going to go into too many details. I'll let James speak for himself because he's going to want to uh, maybe address how it is he helped open up the can of worms that is the Ocelli effect. Um, but frankly, uh, when, when I've stated in my bio that, you know, look, there were people that said, you should be the media and you should be the media that you want to see because you obviously have ideas about what's not being put out there and what should be. And why not do it yourself? Citizen journalist, all that kind of stuff. These were things in my head when I was just, I don't know, an assassination researcher. And there were guys that I admired, like Jack Blood, like James Corbett, like Clyde Lewis, believe it or not. Um, you know, a, a lot of interesting guys who I corresponded with who were doing great media. And, I mean, James James Corbett's still doing great media. If you don't know that, I mean, I don't know how you found my show, and welcome to the Internet. Uh, CorbettReport.com, of course. And uh, James James was one of those people who said, do it yourself if you don't hear or see what it is that you think needs to be out there. Make it happen. You know, be the solution. Be the change you want to see in the world. Oh, it's a greater concept. And although I might be quite a bit different from James, I mean, he sounds like the Canadian correspondent to if there was a real news channel <laughs> that uh, existed <laughs> in, you know, major media, this would be the guy. Canadian correspondent James Corbett. Let's rationally get a viewpoint on something crazy from James Corbett. This is what you would get, and I sound like the guy who emcees uh, <clears throat> at the local dive bar on Metal Mondays. I know. I know. <laughs> but nevertheless, we do, uh, we, we, we do have some things in common, and uh, I know I have a great deal of respect and admiration for the work that James has done over the years, and I've watched him evolve. And he's also one of the few media people I've ever seen who says, you know, maybe I had a wrong idea here or there. Let me give you the addendum <laughs> and show you the new information and all that stuff at all times, ethical, ethical, and uh, a whole lot less scary than what they call science when it comes to the vaccination agenda. James Corbett, man, thank you for taking this time to pre-record with me. It's a, a, a Sunday before that show, and it doesn't matter what Sunday it is, any given Sunday. Always good to talk to you, James Corbett. First, how you doing, man? And uh, uh, how do, how do you feel about <laughs> my introduction here of you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm blushing from ear to ear, but I am absolutely honored to be here for your 2000th uh, edition of this show. Thank you so much for having me here. And I know 
I'm sure that all of your listeners can appreciate, but if not, I want them to take the time to appreciate how incredibly difficult it is to do 2,000 shows like you have done. Uh, As someone who does this for a living, I can very much appreciate that that is a major accomplishment, so I'm absolutely honored that I had anything at all to do with that, even if just in a message to tell you to do it yourself. That is absolutely my main message, because I do not think that I have all the answers, that I'm right about everything, that I know everything. Of course not. It is absolutely my contention that as many people as possible should be out there getting their voices heard and into the mix, because that is how we will come to a better understanding of reality. And you'll have to refresh my memory on the exact details of how we got together. I am sure it was after I released some sort of JFK podcast or something that you got in touch with me specifically about Oswald, and I was very much interested in that aspect of the assassination research at that time, and that's, I believe, what I had you on at first to talk about. So I think that's how we got connected, but you'll have to remind me what it was precisely that got us in touch. Okay, it was literally a collection of things you did. (laughs) Okay, one of them was uh, you uh, replayed the audio from the JFK 2 documentary that John Hankey did. Uh, as part of this thing that you did many years ago now, I think back in, uh, 2008. So what is that? 13 years ago, at least. Um, you were putting out these things where I think it was on Sundays or something like this. Now I'm a little vague because it was a combination, you understand, of this, this thing where you replayed John Hankey's documentary in audio form on your, on your podcast, which I thought was interesting. Uh, and then you had covered JFK a couple of different ways. And I, I started sending you notes saying, okay, you know, James, I'm listening to what you're doing, and I appreciate it, but here's what I think you need to add in. And you very respectfully answered me back, which uh, <laughs> was not uh, not not the standard fare from somebody that uh, sometimes is a listener and is uh, trying to tell a host, look, you, you might be going in the wrong direction, although I appreciate part of what you're doing. You actually uh, said, okay, well... You show me some evidence uh, related to what it is you're saying, because I just made some statements. I didn't attach files or anything. And uh, so then I did. And you said, this is very compelling, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to look into this more myself. Um, indeed, you even uh, made a mention of something that you read in uh, the, the book Crossfire, and I, and I sent you some messages about that. And, uh, you know, so on and so forth. So it was really a, a, co- a culmination of a bunch of things. And then uh, one day I get a message, you know, it's, uh, it, it's going to be the anniversary of the assassination. And uh, I, I do the live radio show, Corbett Report Radio, which somehow was you in Japan connected to somebody in Texas. And <laughs> yeah. and then I had to get on a landline, and uh, <laughs> you know, which I didn't have, um, in order to talk to you. <laughs> and then you were like, I'll just ask you questions about Oswald, and we'll go through it. And uh, so we did uh, something that I think we called In Search of Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah. And then his birthday comes around uh, a few months later or maybe the following year, <laughs> and uh, what does is, what is James do? He says, how, how about we do this again and go further? And then we did something called Still in Search of Lee Harvey Oswald. Mm. 
Um, and, you know, there's some funny circumstances attached to what I was doing at the time. The first recording that we did, I was literally sitting on the pile of rubble that used to be my job. Um, connected to, <laughs> I'm not kidding, I connected to a phone line, which I had to, like, dig out of the wreckage uh, in order to get to. And it was like, for me, I don't know, maybe 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, so it was dark. And uh, it was very funny. I couldn't read my notes or anything, so I just got to go with memory uh, and and was super nervous and everything. And I wasn't even sure who was hearing this or anything, but then it became a podcast. And uh, I am still um, immensely proud of the fact that uh, that you brought me on. I didn't have a book to promote. I didn't have a website. I didn't have a podcast. It was just, here's the information, James. Here's the stuff I worked on. Here's some fun facts you don't know. And uh, it, to me, it was just, it, it was exhilarating to uh, to be part of your show, especially because uh, I, I knew the kind of guy that you were showing yourself to be in your media. and uh, and, and I was just like, man... This guy takes me seriously. I take him seriously. And it's not like, um, you know, it, it's not like the other situations where I'd been, you know, hired to go collect some information or, you know, or somebody else just took uh, uh, research that I gave them and ran with it and put it in their books or whatever. This was a guy who said, no, you, you speak for yourself. Tell us what's going on. And that was just about the one subject. Um, and And I have been a listener of yours before that. Obviously, uh, but uh, but ever after, and still do listen. I'm actually a, a supporter at CorbettReport.com, officially, just so everybody knows. Uh, and uh, and and I'm one of these guys who's followed your work. And truthfully, it's so funny because when when people want to praise some of the stuff that I do, almost all the time they go, just like James Corbett, I love that guy too. <laughs> And I'm so, it's so weird that the two of you actually talk and everything. And it's just like, look, we came together based on the fact that he appreciated I was bringing real information. I brought evidence to my claims. I brought, you know, uh, not just a, a conspiracy babble, although I was advocating for conspiracy. And to me, I mean, that's just the, the relationship that's that's continued on. And in fact, one of the first times that I broadcast this show live... You are our guest also, which, um, you know, and you have been several times over the years, and I've been back on the Corbett Report now and then. Uh, one of these days, uh, you know, you know, like I said, I'm a, a DJ at the uh, Metal Monday. You know, one of these days I'm going to be able to uh, be on a show maybe with the Universal DJ that you constantly work with, uh, another guy, you know, James Evan Pilato. Because I'm telling you right now, picture this for a moment, James. I mean, well, maybe not you, James. Don't picture it. But listeners, picture this one. James Evan Pilato at the local strip club. Um, you know, <laughs> coming up next, Candy. And she's here to tell you all about the sweet things. I mean, I could see James doing that. I could see him introducing the Justin Bieber records or ACDC. Wouldn't matter. He's the universal DJ. Me, I'm the guy who sounds like I wandered in from the hard rock club. But anyway. I uh, but but I absolutely love the fact that you and I have had these very interesting intellectual discussions. Uh, I I feel as though you're better read than I am, or more well read. See, look at that, more well read than I am. Uh, but uh, but it's great to have been uh, uh, constantly participating in truly independent media with you, my friend, over the years, and I really appreciate it. So. 
Um, there, there's a long-winded answer. Shock. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but but every bit of that was uh, valuable for the listeners to hear. Let's put it this way. I fancy myself a bit of a researcher. So when I, when I encounter someone else who actually does real research and can back it up with actual verifiable facts, I recognize that pretty quickly. So, uh, yeah, I get contact from a lot of people. And some, I'm sure, very good researchers who I just unfortunately don't have time to correspond with. But I like to think, when certainly when somebody is on a subject that I'm interested in and knows what they're talking about, I'm there to listen to them and hopefully amplify their voice. And it's so gratifying to me to hear that I had a, a part in helping you to start to find your voice and to get it out there to other people. Because obviously you have something to bring to the table. And I'm extremely, I mean, that is what I, why I do what I do. Not because I'm going to save the world, but because I think together we can amplify each other, vo- each other's voices and bring something to this conversation. That's what I'm about. And, uh, you know, tip of the hat, JFK, trust me, I am well aware that I am not well-read on JFK, and I do not know everything, and it is a minefield every time you stumble into that subject without being well-equipped for it, so I very much appreciate you having my back on that subject in particular. I, and look, I do my best, but uh, but but quite frankly, the fact that you're able to uh, present the media the way you do, um, when we did when we got together in 2017 to discuss the document dump, um, you know, I, I just, and, and people have seen that now because I've actually taken part of it and repackaged it into something else. Uh, but also we, we freely shared our media together because it's not necessarily about ownership. Uh, it is about the, uh, the sharing really of information, the sharing of the, the facts so that, you know, you can be an informed listener, you the listener, not you, James. Um, but it, it, it's just, it's about that. And uh, even though I don't usually do video, I even did video for James that time. Yeah, uh, and he <laughs> he did uh, great stuff. Like my my favorite part is when I mentioned the assassination guide, and on screen you literally see the assassination guide while I'm talking. <laughs> I think that is that that is one of those moments I went, oh man, I wish I had thought of doing that myself. Uh, <laughs> so you know, it, to it's, be fair, that was probably Brock, my video editor. But yeah, well, okay <laughs> yeah, then. Listen, shared genius is still genius, uh, and and if Brock is the genius who needs to be mentioned, I mean, look, I've never really interacted with Brock much, but uh, gotta say, if he's part of the Corbett Report, then you know he's got something to bring to the table, um, and and has uh, over the over the years. But at one time, it was just you, and um, yeah. you know, and and I appreciated that too. Um, so it's kind of weird. It's like you're, you you were to me a forerunner of what it is I'm doing, uh, but at the same time I didn't have to uh, follow your template. I could do it my own way, and uh, and I have. So you know, again, I, I, this sounds so egocentric. I hate this, uh, but you know, because I'm. It's not about me. It's not about me. You and can, that's I'll tell you what I think. I think your listeners will forgive you a pat on the back every thousand episodes or so. I think that's. I think that you've earned it. <laughs> uh, if you say so, James. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I insist. All right. Well, with that, 
Um, obviously, I, I love to just hear whatever's on your mind, and and feel free to to throw in any other part of this that uh, that you wish to uh, have as part of this uh, pre-recorded piece of the 2000s yeah. <laughs> show, which should be airing on June 29th. Uh, and and I, I've got a little bit of a cheat in hand because um, I actually have a very personal set because that's another thing I've done over the years uh, uh, following your lead is created small sets of uh shows that are devoted to a particular topic um and as you've mentioned before you listen to the jfk myths episodes uh i'm very proud of those the jfk 101 episodes but outside of the jfk world i've done other sets too and uh the the most recent one which is has been recorded for the most part one more episode to record is my own personal um exploration with psilocybin uh, where, listen, I was suffering from some things and uh, sought a solution. I sought a natural solution, and you're going to get a three-part series on that. Uh, and, in fact, by the time June 29th comes around, it should be released. So that'll be three out of the 2,000 episodes. Uh, although most of what I do is, like we're doing now, just we run a live something, uh, although I'm not running this uh, live on the stream. Uh, I do a live something, and then it turns into a podcast. So, you know, a, a variety of methods of delivery have been employed here, a variety of subjects. Uh, we focused on JFK, you and me here, but obviously we've talked about all the controversial things of the day, even if they are of just that day on the show. And uh, your your flexibility, actually, uh, in, in going into different topics, not just staying in the world of conspiracy, but talking about a whole lot of things that are ground floor, ground level uh, necessities of the reality in which we find ourselves is um, is also part of this. So anyway, with that, James Corbett, CorbettReport.com. What can I say? If you don't go over there and check out James's work, I don't know what's wrong with you. But... <laughs> You know, you're listening to me and not him. I don't get it. Uh, we are definitely two different moods, uh, but uh, but I feel as though you and I are at least on the same planet, unlike uh, some other media creators out there. Um, and we may not be always happy about it, and we may be searching for solutions or finding them on occasion uh, for things that are not right. Uh, and we may not win every battle. We may not win any battle, but we're definitely going to give people the information so that they are well-equipped to confront it all as they see fit. Um, that's the way I see it. But anyway, anything you would like to uh, add or or express here, uh, and, and I'll let you go because, as per usual, you're a busy guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as usual. Well, okay, well, uh, let me just uh, once again say thank you so much for what you do and for doing it and doing it and doing it again over and over 2,000 times. That is not a small thing. That is not trivial. Most the vast, vast majority of podcasts never get that far. So hats off to you for that incredible amount of work that you've put into that and putting your voice out there. And I hope, I hope you can inspire other people to take that lead as well. Um, I'm sure there are people listening to us who have their own thing to add to this. And I say the more the merrier, jump on in. So I hope that we can inspire other people to do this. On that note, uh, I just hope nothing world shaking happens between now and June 29th. Why aren't they talking about the nuclear attack or whatever? Uh. <laughs> but uh, assuming that's not the case, uh, I'm going to be on vacation by the time this airs, and I hope uh, you'll be able to put your feet up and give yourself a bit of a pat on the back for the work. Well, 
well done. And I hope your uh, podcast listeners and supporters will support you in the work that you do. Once again, I'm well aware that this work is only possible because people out there make it possible. So I hope people will support what you're doing. And, uh, and thank you. Thank you once again for doing what you do. Well, thank you, James Corbett. And once again, guys, you know, no, no matter what it is you uh, uh, think about the world around you, uh, it, it is always good to uh, jump in and participate. He's right. I have tried in every way possible to encourage others, listen, let's engage. No matter what, let's engage because the only voice that is not going to be heard, you know, to, in some way, shape, or form at this point is the one that remains silent and i think the time for silence is absolutely over and has been for some time revelation through conversation so we're back to the live show and yes we've gone into overtime (laughs) even though i planned six hours um yeah we need a little more and i'm extremely grateful (laughs) to have uh to have some people along with me and uh, so I'm going to introduce everybody one at a time, and I've got a strange order in mind, so let's go with this. Uh, a bit of a roundtable discussion, and if you're hearing me live, you can join in on it. 319-527-5016. 319-527-5016. I do have one more um, pre-recorded piece, which is uh, not as long as Corbett's, but uh, is important as well. And uh, I want to note uh, before I'm out of here, the people that have decided to donate during the live show, uh, there were uh, there were a couple more that came in. So I'm going to uh, give a shout out to each of those people. Um, and uh, if you choose to do so, you may do so as well by hitting the uh, PayPal button at Ocelli.com. Or if you like, you can send me an email. If you you know choose to pledge otherwise, let me know. Um, or whatever it is you want to do, uh, let me know, and that way I can shout you out during the live show. And the next time I go live, which I'm not sure if I'm going to make it for tomorrow, but uh, probably I will because I'm crazy. Uh, you know, I'm going to do eight hours tonight and two more tomorrow, and why not? I'll release 12 hours worth of podcast. You know, by the time Thursday comes around, maybe I'll take Thursday off. I don't know. We'll see. Revelation through conversation. by greed, but that all may live in the land in which the Lord has provided an abundance sufficient for the luxury and convenience of the people in jail. I think. No empty words, no empty messages mean anything to us.
Airstrikes and Tanks by Larry Hancock. Secret wars became a staple of U.S. covert operations and are still happening today. Larry Hancock's book, In Denial, rips the cover off many of them. Using new files, it exposes things about the Bay of Pigs that no one has ever written about before. It shows why it really failed and why the United States did not learn from it. It also shows why other countries today are doing secret operations with more success. This is the book that puts what some want to deny into the light. In Denial, Secret Wars with Airstrikes and Tanks. Larry Hancock. For more information, go to Larry-Hancock.com. Pick up your copy of In Denial at Amazon.com in digital or physical form. WallStreetWindow.com Gold, silver, the stock market. WallStreetWindow.com Perhaps you're invested deeply. Perhaps you're not in deep enough. Maybe you're thinking about getting started. WallStreetWindow.com Michael Swanson, the brilliant author of The War State understood these trends professionally for many years and now he gives you the benefit of his knowledge wallstreetwindow.com go there now go there now go there now go there now when a fan of the Ocelli effect calls in to the Ocelli effect I just wanted to call in and tell you and Michael Swanson and J.P. Sicilian, all of the guests that you have, how much I love your show. Always interesting. It's always informative. I just wanted to tell you in person, on the phone, I mean, I love you. I love your show. I, I love everything you do. I will always be there to support you. You know that. We appreciate you so much. Uh, you, you have okay. no idea. Thanks. And most of our fans just send hate mail and death threats. Shelly.com. Do you like history, real history, that you were never taught in schools? Why? The Vietnam War, nuclear bombs and nation building in Southeast Asia. By author Mike Swanson, with new documentation never seen before. That'll open your eyes to events that led up to this. Why? The Vietnam War, nuclear bombs and nation building in Southeast Asia, 1945 through 1961. Get your copy today at Amazon.com. Why? The Vietnam War. By author Mike Swanson. This is James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and you're listening to the Ocelli Effect at Ocelli.com. Go ahead, caller. I'm interested in the truth about the JFA assassination. Right. Well, what do you want to know? Judy Baker's wild claim, Oswald girlfriend, he knew Ruby and Barry, cancer weapons. Really? I imagine I could claim I have four wheels. It doesn't make me a wagon, but okay. Oswald was on the kill team and trying to prevent the murder of John Kennedy. Come on now. Has a real effort on the JFA assassination built into her claim? Go to Amazon.com. Enter Judith Baker in her own words. You'll get results for a digital copy of a book where Walt Brown utilizes her own words and the known evidence in the case to get at, well, (laughs) a different perspective, let's say. You can get Judith Barry Baker in her own words from the author himself, signed if you request it, by contacting Dr. Brown at KIASJFK at AOL.com. It's a fun book and it actually dissects the many, many fantastic claims. Judith Barry Baker in her own words. Thank you for all the great information.
Shelley. Chuck O'Chelly. The views expressed by callers, co-hosts, or anyone else who happens to get on the air at Ocelli.com do not necessarily reflect the views of Ocelli.com or Chuck Ocelli, and we are not responsible for any stupidity which might ensue. Thank you. Expressed by callers, co-hosts, or anyone else who happens to get on the air at Ocelli.com do not necessarily reflect the views of Ocelli.com or Chuck Ocelli, and we are not responsible for any stupidity which might ensue. Thank you. Revelation through conversation.